is it true that women are more emotional than men when it comes to their financial decisions and that men are just more logical? Even though those thoughts seem very logical, those are actually very emotional thoughts. When men spend, we like big purchases. So we may not buy as often, but when we do buy, we tend to buy big. Are you a six-figure household, but you're struggling to build wealth? Money isn't a problem, yet you don't have a financial strategy. You and your spouse just can't seem to get aligned, and it's holding you back. Welcome to Rad Money, the finance podcast for millennial married couples. We're Rebecca and Dylan. And our goal with this podcast is to help you stop arguing about money so you can start building real wealth. Because the world needs more good, wealthy people. Welcome to this episode of the Rad Money Podcast. Today, we are talking about stereotypes between men and women and how they make their financial decision. Are men really more logical financial decision makers? And do women truly let their emotions lead when it comes to how they manage their money? We're going to be digging into this today as financial coaches, as a couple. And if this is something that you think that your spouse would really find interesting, we just ask before we dig in, we're just going to ask for you to share it with them and get this conversation going and see what they think. Do they think that they're more emotional or more logical in how they decide to manage their money? And share this with your spouse so that you can both have this conversation about how do you make financial decisions and where do you really land in terms of logic versus emotion? Because I'll tell you that in our relationship and in our coaching, we've definitely recognized a lot of patterns in the differences between how men and women think about money and how they decide to manage it. But when it comes down to one spouse being more emotional and the other being more logical, is that really true? So to answer this question, we really started to look at the different observations that we've made when it comes to our clients and then just general consumer behavior of men versus women. And for women in particular, I know for myself, and like I said, many of my clients, and also what's really portrayed is that women tend to make more frequent but smaller transactions than their male counterparts. So what that really means is spending money often, but in small amounts. So your total transactions aren't really all that high, but it feels like you're spending money all of the time in little ways. So this is like bringing home something all the time or something's showing up on the porch every couple of days. <laughs> yeah. You know, all these little small transactions over time that add up that feel like, gosh, you're just spending money all of the time, right? And so sometimes that can also be perceived as very emotional because these purchases might appear to their spouses as being very spontaneous and they're not really necessary or insert internal thoughts or maybe not so internal thoughts that your spouses either said or thought about the way that you spend money if that's your pattern of how you spend. Right. So women are perceived to be highly emotional spenders, to be emotional with their financial decisions because they might be spontaneous with how they make purchases and they end up making lots of small purchases that seem unplanned, which then kind of feels like there's no logic to it because there's a lack of of a plan of what's going on. At least as far as their spouse knows, right? Because they're not in their head, right? So it's a, it, this is where we can start to already say that right there is an assumption that because you perceive it as being spontaneous, that it actually is, mm-hmm. right? You don't know what's going on in your spouse's head. And so you don't understand like the plan that they already have or their logic. And they don't always need to necessarily explain it to you. However, I do think it is also worth pointing out that Studies have started to show over the past couple of years that women's investment portfolios tend to actually outperform 
their male counterparts because they tend to take the low, slow way to investing, which involves less risk in their portfolio. So they tend to take like index fund investing and mutual funds and things like that. That's their preferred path to investing, which is lower risk. Okay, but lower risk, less return, higher risk, high return. Yes, exactly. And men tend to veer towards the high risk, high return portfolios, which the case could be made that that is a very emotional decision. There's just different emotions driving each person in those sorts of financial decisions. Yes, men tend to take on more risk when they're investing in their portfolios. And when it comes to their spending habits, that tends to be different than the way that women spend money. Men may appear to be more logical than women because they're not spending as frequently, like they're sticking to what might look like a plan. But, and this is a big but, when men spend, they love to spend money, like boys and their toys. Am I right? Like we like big purchases. So we may not buy as often, but when we do buy, we tend to buy big. And so I'll just say it this way, like from the women's point of view, that seems like a spontaneous buy because sometimes these things seem to come out of nowhere. But men tend to look like they are logical with their spending habits because they tend to stick to a list. They're very linear with their thought process and how they make purchases. So men might appear more logical with their financial decisions, but are they really? Is it true that women are more emotional than men when it comes to their financial decisions and that men are just more logical? And to paint this picture even more about who's emotional, who's logical with how they make their financial decisions. I want to take you to the grocery store with Rebecca and I just the other night. Before we go to the grocery store, we make a plan of what we're going to eat and we make a grocery list based off of all that. When we get to the grocery store, I follow the list to a T. It's as if nothing else exists in that grocery store except for what's on that list. But we're going up and down the aisles grabbing everything and I've grabbed the one thing I need. All of a sudden I hear Rebecca go like, where'd you go? And I turn around and she has like 20 cans of beans in her arms. And she's like, we need these. That's (laughs) exaggerating. It was a lot of beans. It was a lot of beans. (laughs) Anyways, she has all these beans in her arms. And she's like, we need these. And I'm like, we didn't put it on the list. But she's like, we're out of beans in the pantry. And so I come back. She loads it up. And that happened a few times throughout the grocery store. Like, we're going down another aisle. And she's like, oh, these churros, they're fantastic. We need these churros. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let's throw those in the the basket. And we just keep moving on. And so when we got home, all of a sudden, I realized why Rebecca got the beans. We were totally out of beans in the pantry. I saw that there was a huge empty spot that we needed to refill. So she was keeping that in her mind. She knew what was going on. That was part of the plan. She just walked by and she saw it. She got it. And so what seems spontaneous, maybe even emotional to me, actually was very logical because Rebecca knew that we needed to replace those items in our pantry. Yeah. And it's funny to me, too, because as we're even going through the grocery store, I seemingly put things in the cart completely randomly. There's always a difference between when I go to the grocery store, either by myself or us together, versus when Dylan goes to the grocery store by himself. If I give him a list, there's nothing extra coming home. And like, ladies, I know that some of y'all feel me out there when your husband thinks like this and he doesn't come home with any snacks for you. (laughs) It's extremely upsetting. He's, you know, he's just very much sticks to the list. Whereas I have this other longer list in my head that I'm constantly keeping track of. What do we need in the household? What's going on? And so like Dylan said, it might be the woman, it might be the man, whoever, whoever it is. The point is, is that we're all kind of just operating on these different wavelengths. And there tends to be one person in the relationship who is more of that linear thinker that I'm going to stick to the list type of person. And then the person who is a little bit more seemingly spontaneous, but there actually is a purpose for why they're doing what they're doing. And I think what the most important thing here really is the way that the quote unquote more logical 
stick to the list person reacts to the spouse that's adding things to the cart that wasn't a part of the plan, how they react is incredibly important because if you're sitting there thinking to yourself based off of me adding the guacamole and the churros and the the beans to the cart, if you are sitting there saying, you know, she's spending too much money, this is, you know, she's not sticking to the list, this wasn't part of the plan, and you're having all these sorts of thoughts, even though those thoughts seem very logical, those are actually very emotional thoughts where you're actually judging me. Right, because you're getting upset, yeah, so that is an emotion. Yeah, and you're so you're getting upset. You're judging your spouse for what they're doing, pretty much putting out there that you know best, which is so classic. But also the emotional response of getting upset is also based on a deeper emotion. Anger and frustration tends to be the way we present deeper emotions, such as fear and anxiety. You're worried about how much you're spending, and you're frustrated with the fact that your spouse isn't doing what they said they were going to do or some sort of deeper thing that's actually why you're upset. So it's really important to recognize that even if you're that more logical person, it's just worth pointing out that you're having an emotional response to what they're doing. And so you could have absolutely been like, why do you do this? This is ridiculous. This isn't what we planned for. But then instead you came home and you're like, wow, I'm so glad she did that. So the point really is is that even in the scenario where it seems as though there's one person who is operating more off of logic than emotion, you're actually still very much operating based off of your emotions in how you're responding to each other in this certain situation and in the way that you're thinking about your spouse and how they're the decisions that they are making and then even why you're making the decisions that you're making. Right, because we all make decisions based on emotion and then we justify that decision with logic. That's actually the way that we make our decisions. We make an emotional decision and then we use logic to justify the reasoning behind why we made that decision. And that's probably why we get stuck in stubborn thought processes all the time, actually. And a great example of this is from Chris Voss's book, Never Split the Difference. So he, in his negotiation classes, would split everybody up in the classroom into pairs. And he'd give one person in the pair $10. Person with $10 was told that they need to make an offer to their partner. And if their partner accepted, then they got to keep that money. But on the other hand, if the partner refused the offer, then they would forfeit all the money and neither of them would get anything. And so how these offers would typically go is that they would kind of just split the money 5-5, 4-6, 6-4, something along that that line's a middle because that was perceived as fair, right? But what Chris Voss teaches them after they've gone through this is that nobody actually made a logical decision. The logical decision would be that as the person with $10, you would offer them $1 because $1 is more than $0. And so- This was just a great example of how so many times what we think is actually logical is emotional decision-making. None of them had actually made a logical offer because the logical offer would be to keep $9 and to offer $1. Because if the laws of finances haven't changed, $1 is still more than $0. Yeah, so the person who's being offered a dollar should absolutely accept, otherwise they'd still get nothing. Right, because it's more than nothing. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And that's the logical thing. But what they ended up doing instead is they were doing what they felt was fair or right based off of like their emotional perception of it. And so what the person ended up making the offer was doing was making their decision based off of what they perceived to be fair or right, which is totally an emotional decision, not a logical one. It really just paints the picture that our financial decisions are just they're not as logical as you might think. So even if you consider yourself a highly logical decision maker, you're really not. Even in this class that Chris Voss is teaching about negotiation, I believe he was like training FBI agents or something. You well, know? yeah, he worked for the FBI. He also then 
went to Harvard and like he at the beginning oh, of the book. Oh, and he yeah, like beat all the business he negotiators. He all the Harvard like, business negotiators and yes. starts teaching there, I believe, as well. So yeah. funny. It's such a great book. But yeah, so it really just paints that picture that we're all emotional decision makers and that definitely extends to how we use our money. I mean, in that story right there, it's a financial decision, so it couldn't be more perfect. But we all make emotional decisions. The thing is, there's just varying degrees of how obvious it is that we're letting our emotions lead how we spend or invest right. or save our money because all of those things are emotional things. You are saving money for an emotional reason. You are spending money for emotional reasons. And we're all using money to satisfy some sort of feeling. That's really what is so interesting about this is that how you choose to use your money is not only based in emotion, but it's also usually to satisfy some sort of a feeling that you are having. Right. So for examples are shopaholics who spend money to have a sense of like control in their life. Right. Or impulsive shoppers who... You know, they're very emotional shoppers. So we're doing this as a coping mechanism. We, we feel sad. Let me buy something to make myself feel better. Right. Retail therapy sort of thing. Or even, like I said, the saver who just wants to feel safe, right? Maybe they grew up in a situation where they didn't have a lot of money. Things felt very financially insecure. So their motivation for saving or for investing is actually a very fear-based financial decision. So we're all making very emotional financial decisions, but we're justifying them with logic. And so while it might feel as though the saving and investing is the more logical thing to do, sure, but you're still doing it because of an emotional reason. Right. Like you're actually doing it because it's an emotional thing. When you really get down to it, that's what you're doing. And that's why you're doing what you're doing with your money. Now, there are the right things to do with your money. When it comes to the steps that you take to build wealth, there is an order for why you should do the things the right way. You can be more logical if you try to base your decisions, base as much on the math as possible. But in a lot of cases, that's also not genuinely going to work because it's just not how we tick. We're emotional creatures. Right. And so you can understand the logic as much as possible, but it all comes down to a very emotional decision that you're then going to justify with the logic. Right. Well, actually, so we were listening to a Freakonomics a while back about economists and how they make financial decisions. And even the economists who are the ones who are like proposing the best way to invest or they have like the deepest understanding of the of economics and finance than like anybody else in the world. So they don't even choose to follow their own advice. They don't sometimes. Take their own yeah, advice. They, yeah. You're like, so what do you do with the mortgage? Would you do? Would you do a variable interest rate? Oh, heck no. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> no. it seems too risky, right? Yeah. So <laughs> even though like, I know mathematically it's not. Right. So even economists who are pretty much the closest thing to a robot at times, they even make emotional decisions. <laughs> I love economists. Economics is my favorite. <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. But then also, so back to like the gender conversation of men versus women. Well, another thing that I think is really worth pointing out here is while we're all making all these decisions based off of emotion and then supporting it with logic, what's deemed as acceptable behavior for a man, for instance, is not necessarily to let your emotions lead right? It's more the stoic. It's mm -hmm. don't show your emotion. Every man that I have ever met really struggles to show emotion, positive emotions, especially. The only ones that they're allowed to really portray are anger and frustration and or nothing. And so, and so I think that that can be perceived as them being more logical 
simply because they're emotionally stunted. In the same way that the person who has the more pessimistic outlooks or predictions for the economy or the stock markets, et cetera, we perceive them as being smarter than the person who is actually has a more optimistic view. This is fact that people perceive the person who has the more pessimistic view of what the future is going to bring. People perceive that as being as them being more intelligent than the one who's more optimistic. So in the same way, I believe men are perceived as being more logical simply because they're not really encouraged to show their emotions. Whereas women, it's it's a little bit more acceptable, except for it's on the flip. We're allowed to show every emotion except for anger and frustration. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But it's socially more acceptable for us to be more emotional and lead with that or just be more open with that. So men and women are generally, I think we just, we're all very different in how we show emotion in general. But at the end of the day, we're all making financial decisions based off of our emotions, whether they're positive or negative emotions, whether we're super conscious of it or not. If you go down a layer or two from whatever financial decision you're making, underneath that logic is an emotion. And that's just regardless of gender, no matter who you are, that is how you're actually making your financial decisions. So with that, it's really important to recognize that in this scenario, like you were talking about earlier, Dylan, of the the grocery store scenario where one person is sticking to the list and the other person is doing a little seemingly spontaneous purchasing. The thing is, neither of you are wrong in what you're doing necessarily. It's just that you don't understand each other. And so because you don't understand each other, you end up judging each other, diminishing each other's financial decisions because you just have different values, different money mindset, and you're just, you're working off of two different operating systems. But the answer isn't to judge each other and to diminish the way that your spouse uses money and say things like, oh, you just, you're so emotional with your money and all this sorts of stuff. It's just completely inaccurate because we're all emotional. It's just that you don't understand what it is exactly that's driving your spouse. Don't understand why your spouse would do things in a way that's different than the way that you would. Okay, so that, again, that's the judging. Well, I stick to the list and so that must be right. This is the right way to do it. And now I'm judging them because they're doing it a different way than I would. And that is pointing fingers that one is better and the other is less than. But really, the thing is that you just don't understand each other. Because again, you're both very emotional. You just don't understand your spouse's maybe money mindset or what their approach is, what drives them and why they would make financial decisions that are different from what you would make. So you're really just judging your spouse for not being... Right, because your spouse isn't you. And actually that is the best thing because you really need both. If one of you is more logical and one of you is more emotional, that's a great thing because if we have too much order... News fest. Yeah, if we're all logic, that means that there's too much order, that everything has to be exactly in the right place at the right time. You have to follow everything to a T and that's super boring. So if it's all logic, that's just gonna be boring. It's gonna be a snooze fest. There's not, there's no fun or spontaneity built into just logical thinking. But if you're all emotional, then that can be absolutely chaotic. You need both. You can't just have all logic or all emotion with your financial decisions. Actually, both together makes things better because all logic is just gonna be boring and everything, it's going to follow that list, and there's no deviating from the list. Yeah, you really don't want to be an, a strictly logic-driven person because your life would be so boring. <laughs> yeah. Then on the other hand, if all your financial decision-making is emotional, then that could just be chaos and lead to consumer debt and a lot of other financial problems. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the people who I've even coached who really haven't mastered the kind of the balance, that's really what we're saying is that you need to have this balance. You need both, and you need balance. Because the people who I've coached 
who really let their emotions lead, they struggle so much to really see the progress that they actually really want to make. But they let their emotional, more impulsive side lead their financial decision making. And that's constantly pulling them backwards. So if you tend to be like a highly emotional decision maker when it comes to your money, then that can be really problematic. You might be very impulsive. You might deviate from your plan a lot. So you can spend all the time in the world making this totally logical plan, but you completely bail from it because your mood shifted. You're in a different emotional state now. And so you want to do things differently. So if you perpetually let your emotions lead, that is really not going to be great for your finances. I've just I've never seen someone who can be very emotional and be highly successful with their finances. So you do need that balance between both because then the person who's extremely logical with their finances, that's what we've talked about in the in previous episodes where you're so excellent at saving money, you are perfectly fine just living in your mom's basement, eating ramen noodles and working 20 hours a day. But you're miserable. You're making all your decisions based off math and logic and the numbers, but you're not actually listening to maybe what you need in life, the fulfillment on the other side, Mm -hmm. right? So you've turned yourself into a robot and that's not good either. And so you really, this is where you need that balance. And if you're in a relationship and one of you tends to be more logic and the other tends to be more emotional, well, that's actually really great because you can balance each other out. So it's not just you having to figure out as a very emotional person how to be more logical. Your partner can possibly support you and you by listening to them and by working together, you can have more logic and vice versa. As a very logical person, if your spouse is more emotionally driven, well, guess what? They're going to bring a lot of fun into your life. They're going to bring that spontaneity and make sure that you are planning for the fun things and not just letting life pass you by as you penny pinch your way to financial independence so is so that's like your ideal situation i think right i mean it really is this is where like the two of you are better together and so it's not that like we said not one is better than the other that being logical is better than emotional emotional better than logical it's that when you are able to work together and balance each other out you get a better wholer picture together you get beans and churros that's right yeah beans and churros And so it's important just to make sure that you take the time to understand your spouse and to see where they're coming from, because what might appear to be spontaneous is actually saying, I actually keep a mental list of everything in my head. And I now that we're out and about, I didn't write it down on paper, but I actually can now forget about it because I put it in the cart. Yeah. And it's just honoring the differences within each other and knowing that overall, you're probably ending up in a decent spot. Or if you're not, then you can look for those ways to improve. But It's not going to be in the judging each other. They're too boring or the other's too spontaneous or or anything like that. The judging just isn't, is not it. It's really the understanding each other so that you can play to each other's strength. And then finally, before we end today, I also just really want to circle back to what we were saying about this grocery store scenario of Dylan's definitely more logical and I'm more this impulsive, which could be perceived as emotional, but it's still extremely logical. And then there's also the investment strategies. We all just take different approaches. And I think that that's just really important to remember that people can be more logical or more emotional in different scenarios. So you might let your emotions lead in one place when it comes to like how you spend money, but you might be more logical in how you invest. Right. So that's, I think, a thing that people should recognize as well, especially if if, like just really putting labels on each other just isn't helpful. But it depends on the different thing that you're doing with your money. 
The problem with saying that someone's emotional or logical with their financial decisions, what that really means is that someone's right and someone's wrong. Yeah. And what we're saying here is that that's not true. One, we all make emotional decisions. We just justify them with logic. So we can all just understand now that we're all emotional with our decision making. But the important thing is that it we need to work together, especially when we're in a relationship with our spouse. If we say that you're emotional with your spending, you're pointing fingers. You're pointing fingers. You're blaming you're, them. You're, you're judging you're, you're, them. But you're not working together as a team. Yep. Like we've said so many times, you are going to go much further on your financial journey together if you work together. Realize that if you think that you're, quote, more logical, it's great that you have someone in your relationship who brings the fun spontaneity into it. And you get to work and play off of each other's strengths opposed to thinking that they're weaknesses. Yeah, so it's all about taking the time to just really understand each other and understand yourself and the emotions that really are driving you. Dig deeper into the decisions that you're making. Move past that logic and see what emotions really are driving that logic. And you'll start mm -hmm. to see, hey, I, I'm actually pretty emotional too. There's nothing wrong with that at all. We're all making our decisions based off of emotions. And let's just work to understand each other so that we can better work together and not have these points of friction where we are pointing fingers and passing blame and doing all these negative things that erode our relationship. Yes, we want to be working together. And I think that's a great place to end today's episode. But before we go, we have a live event in the New Year's for couples who want to build wealth in 2024. This is a live virtual event that's going to be Thursday, January 4th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And we'd love to have you join us. So if you're interested at all in building wealth with your spouse in 2024, check out the link in the show notes today. You can sign up and reserve your spot for this live event on January 4th. We'll be sharing more details as we get closer to the event in the podcast. So stay tuned to learn more about how this is going to help you and your spouse build wealth in 2024. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. It's going to be so informational, so packed full of value, not just high level concepts, but legitimately sharing with you three pillars that are critical to building wealth in 2024. So if that sounds like something that you're interested in, make sure that you sign up today. But that's everything we have for you in this episode. And until next time, I'm Rebecca. And I'm Dylan. And, and we're, we're Rad, Rad Coaches. Coaches.